Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to part two of episode 45 of Why Are People Into That? The podcast that's totally overexposed. This month's guest is erotic photographer Ellen Stagg. In part two, Ellen tells the story of the time she somewhat unintentionally put her own asshole on display. So I'm doing workshops on both coasts in the next two weeks. On Thursday, February 23rd, I'll be at the San Francisco Armory, that's the kink.com porn palace in the mission, teaching my impact play class. So that's like spanking, flogging, rough sex, face slapping, and there will be a hot demo at that one. Tickets are on Eventbrite or armorystudios.com. Then I'll be at the New York City Pleasure Chest on March 1st teaching my threesome class. Now that one is free. Yes, that's right. It's free. And it's at the Upper East Side Pleasure Chest store. Visit pleasurechest.com to find out more. In the meantime, follow at Tina Horns S on Twitter and Instagram to get updates on my published articles and live events and all of my selfies in American Apparel going out of business sale leotards. Visit wirepeopleintothat.com, subscribe to the podcast on Acast and iTunes. Please take a few seconds to write us a review and tell your friends about the show. The more people that listen, the more sustainable the show is for me to do. So as my fans and my listeners, it really makes a difference. Thank you so much. And if you do listen to Wired People Into That and would like to help me keep the lights on while getting access to exclusive content, pledge me a little paper at patreon.com slash Tina Horn. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. So, sharpen up your male gaze or your female gaze or your gender queer gaze and tune in to part two of Why Are People Into Erotic Photography? So, when we were texting about this episode last night, you sent me the Wikipedia page for the English idiom, a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, And I'm wondering if you can speak to the relationship between that idiom and... Am I dyslexia? Well, (laughs) please, yes. But also, yeah, like, so what is the relationship between your dyslexia and a picture being worth a thousand words and your interest in taking erotic photographs but also maybe more in, more in general people's interest in erotic photography well I think I sent you that because I was thinking about how you're gonna maybe possibly title this um podcast about photos mm. or 
pretty pictures or something of that. And I was like, why do people like photographs so much? Um, why do people look at Instagram as much as they do? Yeah. Um, and I think it is because fo- not just even photos, but paintings and stuff, they, they, anything that's a two dimensional image can say so much to somebody and and i think people depending on which side of the bed they woke up to that morning how will have a different reaction to it and it does speak a thousand words one image because you you especially a great the best photographs i think have mystery in it and you have to sit there and ponder them and think about them and the story that's behind them and i brought up my dyslexia because i am horribly dyslexic mm. and i hate writing i have to do it a lot and and it it drives me crazy, but I would rather just take a picture and show people that's how I feel about something. Um, so yeah, I think, I think photos are so great to everybody because of it has memory to them. Mm. But he knows that yeah, photos know exactly are iconic. Yeah. yeah. So, or like, a, I guess would be a famous or semi-erotic picture is that one of, um, died the day before michael jackson farrah fawcett that farrah fawcett poster of her with the red bathing suit on and her nipples are hard and supposedly that's sold like millions oh yeah every every supposedly every teenage boy had that in his uh in his uh high school bedroom yeah and i described that picture for two seconds once i said the actress's name and and you know that image it like flashed into your head and everybody listening to this podcast knows that image absolutely it's it does speak more than a thousand words it's iconic it will last for forever well it's interesting too because if you think about the popularity of that poster of farrah fawcett part of why it was so popular i would imagine is that everybody can project their own story Mm -hmm. onto it right so like everyone that has ever masturbated to that image has their own scenarios or their own character that they uh, assume that this person has right so it's evocative enough but it does leave a lot to the imagination i yes. mean it's it's not and that's why you could hang it on your it's wall. not a nude spread yeah you know it's not a centerfold no. and that right exactly and so it also has um you could put it up in your teenage bedroom because it's a girl in a bathing suit but it's not like it's but the not... fact that her nipples are hard just gives you that enough titillation yeah yeah totally um and it transcends everything like so, no go ahead no, it just transcends everybody's thought process. And even even it was in everybody's, uh, every boy's room, every girl wanted to be her in that right. picture. Right. And it was like all American. Right. And she's got that big pearly white smile. And that hair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so when it comes to people who are attracted to pictures of people that they find attractive versus wanting to look at hardcore sexual imagery or videos what what do you think why do you think people are into that what is what is the what is the difference in the appeal i was say i was thinking maybe it has to do with objectification tell me more um one thing that i think people get confused all the time is the difference between 
exploitation and objectification. Yeah, they're totally different. They're totally different, but I think a lot of people think it's the same thing. Tell me, oh my God, you're singing my song. Tell me, <laughs> tell me your thoughts on this. My thought is a photo if i photograph you yeah the moment that i'm taking the picture yes you're a three-dimensional human being yeah you're making thoughts yeah but you're making an object out of but i'm making a two-dimensional object out of you right right you're taking a three-dimensional person with my hopes and dreams and desires and boundaries of my own and yeah you're you're flattening me yeah yeah and and i'm also choosing a certain angle on you mm-hmm. i'm sure i'm choosing a certain way of posing you and and um making the image look beautiful and turning you into an object yeah so i don't think objectification is bad at all i agree i think unless you unless a married man objectifies his wife mm. that's a different story like but I objectify Tom Hardy every single day. <laughs> well, so, um, what, so, so, but I, I just want to stop you and say, like, what is the difference between a man objectifying his wife and you objectifying Tom Hardy or a celebrity or Madonna or whatever? I had a model once who was married. She's, I'm not going to say her name, but she's since divorced. And I remember the reason she broke up with her husband was because she said that she would go out with him and he'd be like isn't my wife so hot Hmm. look at this arm candy that i have right that was him objectifying her totally and flaunting her to all his friends and she was just like i was sick of that like i wasn't his wife anymore i was an object for him to like flaunt in people's faces like the new iphone God, that, uh, <laughs> so objectifying your wife is a bad idea well so but what if your wife wants you to objectify her like here are some ways that a wife could want her husband to objectify her the wife could feel like first of all the wife could say it would really turn me on i'm an exhibitionist i would really turn me on if you take sexy pictures of me um so then he's uh, by the terms that you were just describing he's flattening her he's objectifying her he's turning like but making all framing her and making all of the choices that he's making about taking a a picture of her he is like creating the 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 picture creating the image creating an object out of her but the difference between that and the scenario you were describing of her as the the status object, the arm candy, the iPhone, like um, the beautiful house, the, you know, the the beautiful car. Um, well, I think the, the consent right there. Well, and the agency is what I was going to yeah, say, yeah. right? The difference is the agency. And this is what, and we can get at, this gets at uh, exploitation. I want to hear what you have to say about it. But this is the, the intellectual, like, lift that I think is so hard for people and I think is crucial that we discuss how to make this intellectual lift because if you the same action with or without agency changes the nature of the objectification Mm -hmm. right so if a husband says to his wife um I want to take all of these sexy pictures of you and for example like put them on my Instagram 
and he's only focused on like the people who are liking the pictures and the people who are saying you have such a hot wife right like that is objectifying her like he doesn't care about her agency he doesn't yeah. care about her personality yeah he doesn't care about what she likes or what she wants or yeah. how she feels about these or pictures on what his she's Instagram. consenting to exactly he's like only concerned with how he can like use her for yes this end yes. right but if the but if this if the same man you know uh, if 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 the same wife says to her husband i want you to take sexy pictures of me or even even if he says to her i want to take sexy pictures of you like because you are so beautiful and i worship you and i'm obsessed with you and i want to have these pictures to look at when i'm not with you and like taking the pictures together will be hot for both of us having the pictures forever will be hot for both of us or perhaps we can hire ellen stag to come in <laughs> and take these pictures so that we will have them for posterity forever <laughs> like let's go to ellen and see what her reasonable rates are you know like like the that that collaboration that involvement of her like that respect of her agency that like consent for how those images are for the life of those images and how they're being used changes the whole scenario yes right and so it changes objective but then she's also agreeing to being objectified that's right yeah and also by the way like like being objectified is really hot. Yeah. Like being the object of, you know, we have such of a like, desire. We have, yeah, we have yeah. like such a, a pejorative connotation with objectification, but like, I kind of can't actually really like bottom or get fucked unless I feel like I'm being objectified. Like I, like I need to feel like that person is just like, like losing their mind with how hot I am. Yeah. And, um, uh, and just like overcome with desire to fuck my brains out. Yeah. Like I, I actually need that. And if I'm too much in my head, if I'm thinking too much about like my personality and my agency and like, da, 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 yeah, da, yeah. then I kind of am like not so getting into it. Yeah. But the mind fuck about it is that I have to be in the space, the sort of psychic space where I know ultimately that that person like does respect me so that I can feel like I'm just a whole. Yes, of course. I mean, that makes sense to you and me. Yeah. Why is that so hard for people to understand? Because I think people think pervert and objectification are bad words where they're not bad words. So what are we going to do about it? Um, Educate them. Yeah. Yeah. I always think when it comes to exploitation, my stepmother, my father is, and I've even thanked him in my book. Yeah. My father is very supportive of my work. That's awesome. Yeah. And he's like an old white conservative dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not a Republican anymore, but he's conservative, wears sure. a blazer. But his um, wife, his my stepmom, thinks that I'm exploiting all my models and hates my work because of it. Right. And she, I'm guessing, just because I know the type, <laughs> I'm guessing that in her mind... A naked woman is always being exploited. Oh, yes. Because she can't wrap her mind around. Except having... for if it's old art in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Well, there of you Of a go. naked woman. Then that is, that's classic and beautiful. That goes back to your talk difference between erotica and porn. Right. You know? and, the, and, the, and the classist nature of yes. that. that yeah. right? Like, uh, first of all, we have no idea if, you know... Um, the if the models for everything that are that is in the Met were exploited, like actually they probably were they exploited were most definitely way worse. Yeah, 
Number no, one. Enough. Number two, the reason most art becomes famous is because of controversy. Mm, interesting. Beautiful paintings don't become famous because they're beautiful. They There's controversy behind some, a lot of this good art that right. we now deem as good art and hang on the wall. So, um, oh my God, I mean, you can even see that with like a ton of... 20th century art I mean even like look at rock and roll right like how you know but even Michelangelo sure sure like the David statue was controversial yeah well I mean he was a homo (laughs) somebody actually posted today um Merritt Kay who was um on the show um a a couple of months ago talking about cocksucking is doing a new queer magazine uh I forget what it's called um but uh I'm sure it'll be huge um by 2018 but uh the Twitter for this new magazine um, said the last time that we had a uh, um, the last time that we had a critical mass of queer artists, we called it the Renaissance. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, but yeah, my dad even says that to my stepmom all the time, and she judges my work because I'm exploiting my models, and my dad says says. This the work that we go and see in museums. These these people were probably exploited. There was controversy behind that. Yeah, Ellen's work will be look could be looked like that for hundred years from now. What is what do you think your stepmom thinks exploitation is? I never I never thought to even ask her that because I just don't want to get in that conversation. Well, no, with totally. Her. And those no, but those conversations you're... are so emotional. Oh yeah, you know. Um, I, I don't know. Whatever makes her feel uncomfortable, I well, guess. Well, you, you've totally hit the nail on the head. I totally agree. Like when I was listening to your podcast about the occult, you guys were talking about, um, um, consent yeah, and how consent about just bare breasted outside in New York city, mm. it's legal, but to the people viewing it, uh, somebody on the street, like a tourist might think that you're ruining their consent by seeing breasts. Right. And I'm paraphrasing. No, obviously. no, no. That that is um so that is an, an ongoing issue. Yeah, so I feel like I'm interrupting my stepmom's view. Yeah. And that's why she's she maybe she feels exploited by what right. she's looking at and she's then um displacing that her exploitation onto my photographs and my models. Oh man. But I try to always explain to people I'm like, how could I be exploiting them when I don't even pay them? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that not paying someone could even be more is 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 certainly probably the most common form of exploitation. Well, but I but but you no go ahead. But I but they walk in knowing that they get to use the content. It's a fair trade. Well, and that's why I even I opened this episode by breaking that down. You know, because um, you know, I'm the the subject of. The ethics of paying people for their labor is one that is very important to me in the realm of nude modeling and also other realms. And um, and so, you know, but on that, you know, and of course there's this, you know, horrible, you know, pandemic situation of people thinking that they can, uh, you know, get people to do their labor for free in exchange for 
exposure, which, yes. you know, as yes. many people have joked, exposure kills. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> there's an, that new thing. Freelance isn't free. Yeah. Well, yeah. no. F- yeah. Freelance isn't free. Exactly. Yeah. And um, um, but so that's why I wanted to emphasize the fact that, like, I think that a trade a clearly negotiated trade where both parties involved feel that what they are getting for the trade is of like comparable value, I think is absolutely, especially in an underground economy is, um, is like non-exploitative, right? Because again, it's about agency. Yes. Right. So, um, and, you know, I mean, the thing the thing that I think is ironic about, and, you know, I don't mean to harp on your stepmom, but just, like, <laughs> using your stepmom as, like, the, you know, stand-in for the Gloria Steinems and the Gail Dines and, you know, the, the people of the world who probably, like... Um, you well, know, my belie- stepmom is the age of Gloria Steinem. So that's right. And she's a Democrat who lives in Massachusetts, who went to the Women's March in Boston. Totally. So she thinks of herself as a feminist. Yeah. So, and she is. A, I mean, yes. that's the thing about feminist discourse is that there there's are, so many different levels to it. Well, yeah. and also like, you know, I like I identify as a feminist like somebody else. You know, Gloria Steinem identifies as a feminist. And on some way, there are some ways that Gloria Steinem and I like really agree with each other more than the average person but there are some things that we like really disagree on yes and it's a problem yes because i'm right and she's wrong <laughs> um but uh, but the you know one example of that is that you know gloria steinem is an example of a second wave white upper middle class feminist who you know believes that all well i don't know if she believes that like all, that i don't know actually if gloria steinem would think that Stag Street was exploitation because Gloria Steinem does talk about this idea of like erotica and like classy, sexy pictures that are like a, you know, that, that like don't exploit women, but also like who gets to separate the like porn that exploits, that depicts women who are being exploited or raped um, and, and the porn that, that doesn't like who makes that distinction? I mean, this is a far bigger subject, but I'm curious, (laughs) I'm curious, uh, you know, how, how you feel about that? Because I, I hear that and I immediately think the people who have the most power are going to be the people who decide how to separate those things and they are going to put the things that make them uncomfortable which probably is going to include kink fetish queer imagery the imagery of sexuality that they don't relate to or they don't understand which is probably going you know probably also like you know bodies that are not you know uh like considered conventionally sexy um you know bodies of people who aren't white like those are the things that are going to get put in the like obscene pile yes and burnt yeah and um not being given not uh, given an opportunity to make money off of their art which by the way that's exploitation so so i guess what i'm getting at is talking (laughs) about like you know when the people with the most power are given power by the people to censor what is, what kind of sexually explicit imagery they're allowed to see. Which censorship is another topic I wanted to talk about today. Well, tell me how you feel about censorship. Well, have you had experiences with your work being censored? Oh yeah. Tell me, tell me more. My, my first favorite story about censorship of my work getting censored was, I don't know if you remember nerve.com. Oh yeah. They had a print issue. 
I do remember that. It was maybe they did about six issues. It Mm -hmm. was like one full year. And I was in every single issue but one. And the one issue I wasn't in was because I was out of town. Like they tried to contact me. Mind you, this is back in 2000. So email was not as frequent. It wasn't as easy to get a hold of somebody back then. Um, So one of the the first issue that I was in, they wanted a self-portrait. And I had this picture I did back in school and in S- at SVA and I set up the, my camera with a remote control and I was so curious because at the time I was very very skinny but I felt like when I sat down my hips seemed so big mm-hmm. so I took a picture of myself I know this is a podcast nobody's gonna see but I'll I'm just, gonna I'll do describe it what's happening <laughs> I took a picture of myself <laughs> kneeling on the couch with my back to the camera so my ass was like as as spread out as possible so I could really see how thick my hips were so so uh, Ellen is now uh, on my couch facing the wall on her knees in the sort of what I think of as the like Britney Spears baby one more time <laughs> squat. Um, uh, but with her, her feet together. Um, I mean, also this is a, um, this is a pose that uh, I, for some reason I've been asked to do in, uh, <laughs> well, I think in a lot of photo shoots. The ass look bigger because of the way you're pushing versus standing up. And then it also accentuates the, um, uh, the like contrast between like the size of the waist yes. and the um and the size of the booty because the the juice like gravity kind of helps the juice like you know, overflow overflow exactly <laughs> it's also kind of like the um the man ray picture of oh the, yeah with uh, the violin with the, the, yeah. or the cello, the cello uh, yeah. yeah 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 you know what i'm talking about yes yeah so i you went um, to art school <laughs> yeah. i did I, I don't know the name of that uh picture i don't but I guess we could look it up later. I think that people know what we're talking about. Yes. Just like the National Geographic cover or yes. the um, uh, uh, Farrah Fawcett Fa- yeah. Fa- photo, I'm sure people so know what we're talking about. I wanted to know in a photograph, because you can't really see in a mirror yeah. really what's going on. So I set up a timer and you I wanted did to it. see how powerful your ass was. Yes. I wanted to see the power of my ass. So I took this picture. I intentionally was butt naked but had on socks and I rubbed my socks all over the floor to make them extra dirty (laughs) like so if you if I think you might be able to google the picture it might be somewhere out there but if not I'll send it to you whatever so um I love dirty socks and dirty feet by the way just in case anyone in case that's news (laughs) not news (laughs) to any of my listeners and mind you this is 17 years ago so I didn't even realize the power of foot fetishes back then but I liked that idea like I was like I'm gonna be nude with dirty socks on so I took the picture I got a contact sheet because this is with film mind you this isn't even digital so I got the the film developed like the year 2000 yeah yeah it was like yeah 99 2000 was my senior year of college so um i developed the picture i see a contact sheet i see which one i really like and i blow it up yeah and i'm at school and we're doing it in a dark room so i make the image i put it through the machine and a minute later it shoots out the machine yeah when it shoots out the machine there's usually a handful of people waiting for this their images so they're gonna see what you're working on too sure it shoots out the machine and there's my asshole yeah I didn't realize my asshole was going to be so prominent. And I was like, holy shit. I didn't realize that sitting that way made my asshole go bing. Like, you know, this is why. uh Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, you live and you learn. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, my first reaction was to be embarrassed. Sure. Because the, I have posed naked out there, but you won't see any spread vagina of me. Yeah. So why would I put my asshole on display? Sure. So at first I was embarrassed. And then I said to myself, why am I embarrassed of my asshole? And see, that that is the that's the step that a lot of people don't get to. People are like, I'm embarrassed. I'm uncomfortable. Like, shut down. Panic room. Rip like this nobody up, Burn it. Yeah. Nobody gets in. Nobody gets out. Yeah. Like... Um, but yeah, so I, I really, I mean, I think that you're, you're already getting at probably what is like a good prescription for our society is that people should like feel their embarrassment, feel their discomfort, and then when they're ready, move on to the next step. Which or is- do what I do and post the picture in my classroom <laughs> and have a discussion on it. Well, I think I think it's reasonable to expect people to ask themselves why they're uncomfortable and then for the Ellen Staggs of the world, blow it up and post it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I posted it in my classroom. I had a discussion about it. I discussed how uncomfortable I felt about my asshole being on display, but I was trying to dig in why yeah. I felt. But I wanted I made this in, image intentionally. I wanted this picture of myself. Well, you know what? That's it's so. Mm. This is a great story because you were trying to explore your own relationship to your body. And in doing so, you you realize that you weren't even cognizant of this part of your body that is considered dirty, dirty and obscene. Yeah. Um, you're not even thinking like, oh, that's going to be a part of this picture. Because the way that we think about like the ass is totally different from the way that we think about the butthole. Yes. So my butthole's on display. So Nerve Magazine asked me for a self-portrait. And I was like, I'm going to give them this one. But how did people in your class um, and your like professors and stuff at, at art school react to that? I think they... I had two classes that year, actually. I had one called um, Sex and Photography and mm. then my thesis class. I don't know if I hung it up in both classes because this is, mind you, 17 years ago. Um, I probably did because I loved pushing people's buttons. Um, and so sex and photography, I bet they all applauded me for it. And sure. my thesis class, they were all like, what do we do? <laughs> like head spinning. I don't know what to do with this. Like yeah. there's Ellen's asshole. Um, so I don't, yeah, I, I remember just not even caring. Like yeah. I was just like, Hey, if I'm fucking someone's day up, good. They're going to remember me and my asshole. So, oh my God, that's <laughs> the soundbite of, of the season. <laughs> the soundbite of the season i love it um gonna put that in commercials for this show um see if i don't um so i um gave it to nerve and they loved it yeah and then the magazine came out and what year was that 
2000. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it was like, I think I was still in school when the magazine came out. But I look, open the magazine and where's my butthole? Oh, no. They photo, they used the image and retouched out my butthole. What? So they just like smoothed it over? They put the shadow. <sighs> Wow. And, and the weird the weirdest part to me was I can't believe I saw this when the magazine came out. Yeah. That they like, didn't I don't know why it. they didn't tell me. Yeah. I would have been fine, but I was so like excited. And so I called them and I was like, hey, what's going on? What happened to my butthole? And, <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, our printers said that that was just too much because they it's were always the goddamn printers or the credit card processors it's like so rarely the like creators or the production company itself it is always like the distribution companies that don't have a relationship to either the consumer or the producer that are making those decisions just in case anyone's wondering like that is and then the advertisers because the only reason nerd magazine didn't last is they couldn't find advertising for it because it was borderline being pornographic and advertisers don't want to add in pornographic magazines so i was like oh my god i was censored me and my butthole was censored oh my god and so that was the first taste i got of it but when it comes to censorship i and i ended up doing talks and blowing it up on a slide that the picture of me and my butthole so my butthole was probably the size of a softball (laughs) My butthole did the made the rounds. Um. <laughs> I also really appreciate you as as a photographer and a professional artistic voyeur. I also really appreciate this story about you being willing to let it all hang out as a model as well. Like even though you say that your voyeurism side is stronger than your exhibitionist side. Well, I think now. Yeah. But, the, but 20 almost 20 years later yes i mean i was very uh, much an exhibitionist in my teens and 20s mm. kind of like my bisexuality maybe they had something to do with each other <laughs> you never know but then you woke up one day and you were like oh i'm actually a voyeur i you know no but i you know what i think it was it was when i started meeting women in the adult industry and was able to photograph them i was like i kind of like them having the attention yeah yeah like i think in my 20s i was so narcissistic and needing that approval and being out there and like wearing really cleavagey um clothing and like having basically my asshole out on the dance floor like like i needed that attention i craved it and then when i met women that i wanted to collaborate with i didn't need it anymore totally i wanted to make them the center of attention cool uh, <laughs> so I think that's the switch. Totally. But um so when I think about censorship, I I I think it's a double-edged sword. There's there's the part of it that annoys the fuck out of me. Sure. Like nerve mm-hmm. censoring my butthole. But then there's the part of it that I know with censorship people dig around the internet for those in- images. Hmm. And I make money off of it. Right. If it was out there all the time, it's not scandalous. It's not taboo. And people like paying money for the taboo. People like their buttons being pushed. People enjoy viewing this stuff. So there's parts of it I hate and parts of it that I'm like. Well, there's totally a difference between having systems of creating 
you know, ownership and boundaries and, you know, having to like having to pay for access to, to the producer in order to be able to see images or certain intensity of images. Like you were saying, if you look at your blog or your Instagram, you can see, you know, maybe like PG 13, like suggestive images or lingerie pictures. But if you want to see the pink, if you want to see, you know, Justine Jolie's like the natural course of taking a picture with or of doing a photo shoot with Justine Jolie is that eventually she's just going to fuck the, the other, the other model, um, with, you know, mutual consent, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, um, that if you want to see that, that you have to that you have to pay for access, and you know that that's valuable, and so you've created a model for um, uh, a structure for people to to pay for access to that. I think that there's totally a difference between that and like again, like somebody in a position of power saying these are the kinds of images that you and the kind of information that you do and do not have access to do or are, are and are not allowed to see are and are not allowed to produce because this question of the of your butthole being censored by nerve has to do with the credit card companies or the advertisers or the printers or whatever mm-hmm. um like saying like we will print all of these sexy pictures but it is against our company policy to print pictures of a butthole like a butt is fine an image where a butthole is like, like underneath a, a, a or the front of a vulva is fine but the bottom yeah it's not you right know? or like, like um uh you know like like everything about a breast except the nipple is fine or flaccid penises are fine but erect ones are right exactly <laughs> like all you know these 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 things in some way they're arbitrary and no but that censorship makes people like it even more they want that's what i'm saying oh i see what you're saying like it it makes me think about when the sachi gallery did the the exhibit in brooklyn museum and this is also like late 90s early 20s Mm. and there was that madonna portrait and i I wish i could remember the artist's name but he made it out of elephant dung right and giuliani freaked out and because giuliani freaked out Everybody went to the Brooklyn Museum. Right. If he didn't freak out, right, right, nobody right, would have right, seen right, the show. Right, 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 right. So right. that's the kind of censorship that I, that excites me and pays my bills and pays your bills. Saying. I and see what you're saying. Like people like that controversy. Well, it is an interesting question that I don't know if I have an answer to, or if there even is an easy answer to, which is the question of how much of the thrill of so many things that I will say that I am turned on by have to do with defying a taboo right like to what where is the is the excitement about saying like giving a big middle finger to society telling you what you can and can't see what you can and can't do what you can and can't like who you can and can't be like um to what degree do you start to define your identity by uh, in in defiance um in um in subversion Mm -hmm. you know and so so yeah i see what you're saying like when the powers that be say don't do that then all of a sudden people want to do it and then people like you and me are like step right up (laughs) Ooh, can i touch that i've been told i can't touch it so i want to touch it even more And you're like that'll be you know a hundred dollars (laughs) please pay me to touch it yeah i mean it's I mean, in our society right now, I think 
the ideal situation is when people who have been disempowered by that kind of censorship and you know censorship of identity or artistic expression or um whatever when when marginalized people have the opportunity to to create those economies to say like hey if you're gonna say that this is repulsive and disgusting like you do you but i will be like charging admission for you to have access to my like underground culture to my identity to this information to these images yeah. like um the the ideal situation is when people are able to do that i mean that's what so much of sex work is right yeah. it is is well, um, charging about- admission for the patriarchy to you know like to have to have access to the thing that it you know what it to what it wants well talking about political climate and yeah. sex work yeah i hear the the gop convention every four years sex workers flock to that and make tons of money that's what they say yeah and, and you so, know but then there's like the super bowl stuff where people are like oh we're like cracking down on sex workers but then there's like not actually evidence that sex workers are there so much but but what you're getting at i think is that the hypocrisy is that is that conservatives are fucking hypocrites yes <laughs> and uh you can well, also I'd- you can you know you can Put that on my Twitter profile. Well, when the um, I don't even like saying his name. So I call him King Cheeto. Sure. Um, uh, When the pee scandal came out. Which I'm doing a piece on right now. Amazing. A a pee piece. Yeah. Yeah. The Golden Showers Kremlin Donald (laughs) Trump um, sex work um, story. Yeah. I mean, I have so much to say about that. I'm so curious what you're feeling about it. I posted on Facebook. I was like, hey, so. I understand that a lot of sex workers do not want to out their clientele because they want to keep making money from them. Absolutely. But I was like, but if we can do a Kickstarter Mm. to raise enough money for a sex worker who has the proof, Mm. like if these um, ladies of the night in Russia (laughs) had proof of the Cheeto watching them pee a photo or video, how much money would it take that they would release said proof? And I was like, can we start a case? I mean, if Jill Stein can raise millions of dollars for a recount on a Kickstarter, can we do that? So that's that one sex worker is, is set for life. Like how many millions of dollars does she need to be set for life to release that and then be protected? You well, know? you know, it's a really interesting question because, you know, you have really tragic stories like the DC madam who had the nerve to release information on all of the conservative politicians who were hypocrites because they were condemning sex workers taking away our rights and then turning around and patronizing like Spitzer. Yeah. Like Spitzer, for example. And, um, uh, and, you know, and then she, you know, committed suicide in jail, you know, because people with political power can make your life a living hell. Yes. I mean, even the story that you were telling about the model who sued the, no, I'm sorry, the um, the guy who sued the woman for making a blacklist, like, yeah, it was, he was wrong and like, you know, in terms of the law, she prevailed, but then she was out $60,000 in legal fees yes. and probably an ongoing 
headache definitely absolutely what am i talking about like absolutely like a huge ongoing headache yes. and people who are marginalized like not only can't afford that money we don't have sixty thousand dollars yes. lying around to pay legal fees yeah. i mean i barely had like the money that i needed to like put together my like last will and testament like which i've been doing lately with my awesome queer lawyer because i like don't know what the fuck is gonna happen yeah. you know but like i barely had that lying around so like if somebody fucking sued me i would be fucked not only because i don't have the money yeah but also because like the stress of that takes you know you should be getting a per diem yes <laughs> for like it becomes like a part-time or full-time job yes. dealing with that. And yeah. you don't have any choice. Yes. Anyway. No. no, I agree. But I'm also saying that my girlfriend who did get sued and paid out 60,000, she's made a Kickstarter or GoFundMe and yeah. she's raising the money and she's getting it back. And that's like, awesome. so that's what I'm saying. Well, like, we should you know, be supporting, you know, we should be supporting people who take a stand against predators. Yes. Like, especially now that we have a predator in chief. Yes. No, when when she started this Kickstarter, I reached out to a friend of mine who has a feminist magazine and I was like, hey, I think you would want to write about this. You should talk to her. And she she never got back to me about it. But I was like, this is something that people should talk about. Is that about. happening right now? Her her kick, her, her, her GoFundMe? Go uh, yeah, I still think it's I'll I'll write it down. for I mean, you. I can I can probably give that a signal boost. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and she's giving prints out. Yeah, I can totally give that a signal boost. What's her name? Nicole Vaughn. I totally know Nicole Vaughn. She designed a dress for me. She is like a multi-talented, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you've taken pictures of her yes. as well. So. And I photographed her. We actually did a trade. Um, I have not been in front of the camera in many years. And her husband is Corin Prescott, who's an incredible photographer. Totally. And I heard through the grapevine he wanted to photograph me. So I went up to him at one of his art shows. This is almost now two years ago. And I went up to him when his wife was standing right next to him. And I was like, okay, I have a deal. You can photograph me if I can photograph your wife. Trade. Deal. <laughs> And she stood right there. And she's like, I like this idea. And I was like, good. And he just like, he was like, okay, I guess we've all agreed. <laughs> so, and so she has a, a GoFundMe that, you know, is not only a support of her legal funds for standing up to predatory photographers. Yeah, I don't but know if her blog is still out there. I don't know if she had to take it down or like if she maybe has it in a private place, you yeah. know. Um I do know that she's we even when I photographed her we talked about it cuz she was like I started this blog for, and cuz we were talking about certain photographers that I've heard through the grapevine weren't great and she was like, "Yep, they're on my blog." Mm. So, yeah, I and but I think that was important, especially there's so many girls out there on Model Mayhem who totally. are getting into it. It's nice to know there's might be one safe place where they can all discuss is this person okay or not. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I will make sure to um uh if you if you guys want to google nicole vaunt and then you were just telling me it's the model legal resource fund on gofundme i think um, the yeah that's the name of it but i think the actual um gofundme slash brenna and nicole legal fund gofundme.brenna and nicole legal fund write that down. brennan okay brennan. cool well i'll i'll um post a link to it cool so you've been doing stag street for almost 10 years yeah I realized I think it had when I started as just a blog it's yeah. been basically 10 years I think this summer it'll be but when I started it as a paid site it's been eight and a half so I had it for like a good a little over a year before it was a paid site so what is next for you in 2017 
Um, I am continuing to photograph naked women and still shooting digital, but I'm moving more towards my fine art part portion of it where it's naked women that I use, um, film real film awesome and polaroids and then that's where my patreon is oh cool and your patreon is patreon.com slash ellen stag with two g's yeah cool um and stag street you could do one g or two g's i own both urls oh cool oh smart for radio so smart (laughs) um but so yeah so i i'm still going to update on stag street but and some of that content I've also been putting on Patreon, but I really am enjoying the more fine art aspect of it. I just made a video which I could share with you after on my process because a lot of people see my multiple exposure or my film work and they think automatically it's digital because we're in the age of digital. Right. It um, looks like a fancy in- uh, Instagram filter. Yes. Right? But which, it's like, no, actually, the Instagram filters are based on this process, right? <laughs> so many of uh, so many people write to me, what filter is that? And I'm like, it's film. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I have, I'll show you this one picture that I actually was showing my boyfriend. And I know he knew it was film, but it's so surreal looking yeah. that he was like, how did you retouch that? And I was like, honey. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, and I was like, I know. It's amazing. Like, I don't even know how I got this image. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what, where kind of my direction is. I am still doing digital work. And... Uh, Oh, what I should say is, so I've been doing this work when I met Justine Jolie, it was 2005. Mm. So it's been a little over 10 years that I've been doing this work, I guess 11 years. Um, It was in December 2005 that I met her. So it was the end of the year. But anyway, um, so I, in the past couple years, was getting really depressed and I almost didn't think I wanted to shoot naked ladies anymore. Oh, no. But I found out the reason for my depression was I had a hyperparathyroid. Oh. And I had my parathyroid. You have four. Many people don't know what this is, so it's totally okay. I'll go through the short spiel. Please do. Um, Your thyroid is basically the computer system to all your hormones. And your thyroid wraps around your esophagus in the front of your throat. Okay. On the back of your thyroid, you have four of these tiny little parathyroids. A parathyroid is about the size of a grain of rice. And all they do, they're part of the thyroid, but they're kind of separate too. So when people hear thyroid problems, they think I have a, my thyroid is fine. It was my, one of my parathyroids. So parathyroids, all they do is regulate the calcium in your body. Okay. One of mine turned into a tumor. Ooh. And was wreaking havoc in my body. And I know I went to a doctor five years before I was diagnosed complaining about problems. And they I was misdiagnosed for four doctors until I finally found one that diagnosed me properly. Um, Basically, all it does is when it turns into a tumor, it tells your body you don't have enough calcium and it takes it out of your bones. So it was giving me osteoporosis. Oh, my God. And in doing so, it makes you exhausted all the time. No kidding. Your muscles hurt. Your bones hurt. You pee. Like every 30 minutes, like even my boyfriend was like, I think you're diabetic. You pee way too much. And I got tested for diabetes. Um, uh, you Even when you're so exhausted, you can't sleep properly. I wasn't dreaming the past couple of years. Oh, man. It was the weirdest thing. No sex drive. It's the worst. Uh, constipation, ulcer. Oh, 
Oh my God. Yeah. I had basically everything on the list except for kidney stones. Oh man. And when I finally got diagnosed properly and they took that sucker out, I have been feeling amazing. And I'm like, yeah. I'm so happy for you. (laughs) So there was this moment where I almost thought I wasn't going to shoot. Like I remember turning to a friend and I was like, I think this is my last naked lady shoot. I don't want to do this anymore. Wow. And my doing my book when I was like giving them all the images was around the same time I got diagnosed. Yeah. And so when the book came out, I actually, it came out a month after I had my parathyroid. This, the book actually also helped me realize like, I still want to create this work. Like That's awesome. there is a demand for it. I want to keep creating it. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it, it was a crazy couple years of being depressed and, but now I'm like back in it and so excited and I have the energy and, yeah, it's amazing. Oh my god, that's so great! <laughs> so, so, um, so you're promoting the book, yeah. the Dirty Girl Collection, yeah. and everybody's, you know, no, I should say, nobody's coffee table is complete without <laughs> this beautiful book. Thank you. Um, and what else is going on for you? And then just the Patreon and shooting film and Polaroid and cool, creating more work and having the energy and excitement and gusto to do so well i'm excited about 10 more years of ellen stagg's <laughs> naked ladies and 10 uh, more i'm hoping well, 40 more years at least <laughs> <laughs> well then 10 more after that and 10 more after that um thank you so much for talking about this subject and going all of the twi- on the, all the twists and turns that we did thank you um so uh tell everybody all of your internet places that oh, they can on. find you I'll keep it simple. Just the patreon.com slash Ellen Stag and stagstreet.com. Cool. And and what's your Twitter and Instagram? Oh, Twitter and Instagram are just Ellen Stag. Also all with two G's. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ellen like the talk show host, Stag like the party. Awesome. But but with an extra G. (laughs) With an extra G. Um, thank you so much for coming on Wire People into that. And thank you for helping to create the imagery that attracts people to the show. I'm so excited about that. Me too. I love the pictures we took. My out of all the sets though, I love the cigar one. I know I love it. It's Which you, so sexy. you set up a projector and you, it's this like noirish um blue light, smoky light thing. Yeah. I, yeah. And that I, was totally spontaneous. Yes. Yes, completely. You're a genius. You're a genius. <laughs> well, maybe we can uh, shoot together again sometime That's, soon. I don't know if you remember, but when the first time we met, we're on this panel together, and I did my talk, and then you did your talk, and as soon as the panel was over, I just turned and I go, we need to talk to each other. <laughs> and you were like, yes, we do do and i was like i found a kindred spirit like oh that's so sweet (laughs) awesome well i'm glad that we're still friends after all these years i know cool well here's to many more years of naked pictures and friendship yes thanks helen thank you Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.